Welcome to People Helping People, a podcast to connect you with brilliant ideas that inspire social change. We explore culture, social entrepreneurship, and people helping people make awesome stuff happen because these ideas empower us to transform our lives and our society. When you walk around Columbus, one population you don't encounter are the homeless, but they're there behind the backdrop of the city. The organization Starhouse reaches out to specifically help those who are between the ages of 14 to 24 and don't have permanent housing. This is a very vulnerable population and quite often they don't have anywhere to go. Starhouse happens to be the only research-based drop-in center in the entire country. And on top of that, they're also launching a social enterprise to help this vulnerable population get the support that they need to get back on their feet. So I'm very excited to be speaking with CEO and Bishop today. So welcome on the podcast. Thank you, Adam. It's great to be here. <laughs> Could you give me a little bit of background about how you came to the Star House? Sure. A little over a decade ago, I became introduced to foster youth, youth living right here in our backyards who were disconnected from family. Mm. And I started asking questions. My background is child policy, so I knew to ask questions uh, to try to solve this issue. And I learned that uh, 250 kids were waiting for a mentor. Mm. in foster care, and that mentoring was more successful than therapy for youth who'd experienced trauma. Mm. So with a counselor friend, we started a a mentor program for this population. And I really got to know the young people and the the challenges they face, especially when they turn 18 and they age out of foster care. They're given a little bit of money to get started, and then they're all on their own. As a result, two years after they're aging out of foster care, a quarter of these young people experience homelessness at some point. So I got to know these young people. um, What exactly is is mentoring? Mentoring. Good question. Good question. Yeah. So it's, um, it's an individual who agrees to meet with a young person in foster care through a program. Uh, In our case, it was a, a monthly club for six to 11 year olds. And there were fun activities every month. And, uh, the mentor would take the young person to the zoo or to the the okay. the movies or something fun, but really to build relationships with them, show them that there are loving and caring adults out there who want to see them succeed. Uh, so mm-hmm. started the program for six to 11-year-olds and then, again, learned what happened when they turned 18, started a mentor program for the older guys, 18 and up, who had aged out of foster care without a loving and supportive family connected them with a mentor. And through that, I learned about the plight of homelessness for this population. And I found myself referring young people to Star House as an immediate stopgap, a place to be that is safe, where they have access to basic needs, food, clothing, a place to be, access to therapy and healthcare, and and so on and so forth. So when the job opened at at Star House, it just made sense for me to make the transition Mm -hmm. over and, and start here this is where my heart is. Now, you said about a quarter of people who age out of the foster care system experience homelessness. Mm-hmm. How, like, how many people is that? I'll tell you, in, in the context of Central Ohio, okay. we served about uh, nearly a 1,000 individuals last year. Okay. And we say on any given day, half of the young people we serve were in foster care. Oh, wow. And that tells us, again, disconnected from family. They don't have mommy and daddy to fall back on. In a time where we have many 30-year-olds 
who are returning home to live mm. with their mom and dad. These young people, very young, 18, 19, 20 years old, they don't have that privilege. They're out there trying to build the building blocks of stability all on their own. Got it. Now, when they're just going through the foster care system, how often do they move from family to family? Like, what does that look like if they're... It depends on the child. I have a friend who's now in his 30s, and I believe he was in nine different homes throughout his experience in foster care. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of, of transition uh, during that time. I have another friend who was born into foster care and grew up and was in countless homes throughout that time, mm-hmm. aged out at 18. Can you tell us a little bit more about Star House? Absolutely. Star House has been around for a little over a decade. In fact, our 11-year anniversary was in October. We started out as a research project at OSU. Hmm. We Then at the, at the time, the university invited Natasha Slesnick. She remains the national expert on street living youth in particular. So the university invited her to move from New Mexico to Columbus, uncover the population right here in central Ohio of youth living on the streets, find out where they are, how to engage them, what their needs are, so we can set them on the trajectory for success. And she uncovered at the time, this was in 2006, that there were an estimated 1,200 to 1,600 young people ages 14 to 24 living right here in central Ohio, homeless and alone. These are not kids who are part of a family unit, typically. They are homeless and alone sleeping in um, tents, in the tent cities, sleeping behind dumpsters, finding an abandoned building, couch surfing with whomever they might uh, meet on any given day or an extended family member, for example. They're displaced without a place to call home. Her research uncovered how to find them and how to engage them and why they're not reaching out for the resources that are readily available. So at the time, did they just not know if anyone was out there? These are young people, nearly all of whom have experienced significant trauma in their lives. I talked with June Gutterman with Jewish Family Services a couple of weeks back, and she shared with me a statistic that chills me to the bone every time I share it. She said that on this ACEs scale of trauma, it's a 10-point scale that measures your traumatic experiences you've had in your lifetime, Holocaust survivors score an 8 on that scale. Youth who've aged out of foster care, they they surveyed youth right here in Central Ohio. They score the same exact score as a Holocaust survivor. Wow. They've had horrific experiences of abuse, being assaulted, being neglected. They don't trust anybody as a result of those experiences that they've had. Um, so many times they'd rather fend for themselves on the streets than reach out for help. They want to maintain their independence. Walking into a shelter itself can be re-traumatizing for them, mm. so they avoid those places. They're afraid to go to a place where the lights go out, where there are adults there who might exploit them, and it's a valid concern of mm. theirs because they've been abused and, and neglected and exploited. They they want to stay away from there. They'll come to Star House because of the way we're designed based on this research. They can enter on their terms and have immediate access to basic needs, food, clothing, and a place to be that is safe. And then over time, as they're coming in and getting a hot meal, grabbing a shower, grabbing a change of clothes, those things that they need to succeed, we build relationships with them. We see ourselves really at Star House 
is being in the business of building relationships Mm. with young people who have no orientation for what a loving and supportive relationship is. Through that trust building in those relationships, we then connect them with on-site therapy. We have two full-time therapists who work very hard. Uh, We have on-site health care. We have partners who come in and offer workforce development programming, training in human trafficking, which is something I know we wanted to talk about today. Education supports other health care services. Now, you mentioned that they're typically very wary of going into other shelters that have adults in them. Do you find that they still go there or do they just avoid shelters altogether? Mm -hmm. Some youth do. Some, and by youth, I say 18 and up. Uh, Some some are going to the shelter. We're right next to Faith Mission, which is a men's shelter, for example. Okay. Uh, We share some of the same clients with them. But in terms of street living youth, kids who are hiding in the shadows, there's research that was conducted by OSU that took 80 young people who were living on the streets who had never been to shelter, had never been to Star House, newly street living youth. They referred half of those 80 youth to the adult shelter system. They referred half to Star House. Of those they referred to the adult shelter system, only 18% went. Of those they referred to the drop-in center, 80% found their way here. Uh, And then we went back and looked at kids who were um, referred to the shelters. 31% of those young people found their own way to Star House. And when we asked them why, they would choose Star House over the adult shelter system. They said, we're fearful of a, of a place where we might be exploited that's designed for adults, uh, that's not designed for us to meet our unique needs as youth. But then here at Star House, there's no bed at night for them to stay in, so it's only during the day? Absolutely. We're open right now from 7.30 in the morning to 10 p.m. Okay. So young people can come and go as they need throughout the day. We have hired a third shift. So they're being trained. These new staffers are being trained during first and second shift. We'll open a third shift this fall. Okay. How many people do you see kind of coming in during the week? Yes, it is um, a rolling population of young people that we serve because they're highly transient and they're, some are being housed. So once they're housed, they no longer need the services mm-hmm. that we provide. On any given day lately, our weekly reports are showing that we're seeing 60 to 80 individuals okay. a day. We've had as many as 100 in a day and as few as about 40 in one day, but uh-huh. on average it's 60 to 80. How long do they typically stay with the Star House? Is there any common duration that they come in here and use the services? There is. Uh, every young person is different. Every mm-hmm. timeline is different. We have some who come in and are immediately connected with the resources that they need and they're comfortable enough to go to shelter or to some of the other resources in town. Those who stay longer typically have greater challenges to achieving stability. There are youth who have uh, issues with mental illness. There are youth who are struggling with addiction to drugs, which is really self-medication for Mm. the trauma that we talked about earlier. Every young person is different. You mentioned that a, a, a lot of these people that come in have had no family, and so they don't understand that structure. Can you maybe give me a little bit of a picture of what the, what that's actually like growing up without a family and, and being in that role mm-hmm. where you're trying to figure out what to do and you have no support structure? We have one young person who has, has been with us for a while. 
And for her, it's generational homelessness. She was born into it. So not only does she have no orientation for loving and supportive relationships within her family, she has no orientation for what it is to be stably housed, to have a stable job, to to be in a safe place. I, in sitting down with her, described a situation where that we want her to be in. I want for her to have not only a house, I want her to have loving people around her. Mm. And I want her to be able to walk the street of her neighborhood at night without being fearful of being raped. Mm. Right now, she is staying in an, uh, an abandoned house. She's reporting to us. It's not ideal. It is not what we want for her. We want for her to get stably how to to achieve stable housing and a job and transportation that can get her there. But for now, she's comfortable staying in an abandoned home where every night she is boarding up the door to the space so that she can sleep at night without worrying that someone will enter. This is a young person who's been abused by people in her family. She's been raped. She's been pimped out. She's been exploited. And for her, it's baby steps and building blocks, not only to just give her housing, but to to build a sense and an orientation for what life could be beyond the streets. That's a huge step to go from not being able to trust anybody to, to find some place like that. So she's able to come here on her own terms. That's right. Okay. That's right. Um, we're able to work with her according to her own comfort level. Mm-hmm. She's meeting with therapists. She's been successful in her own right. She's achieved a job. Young people come to us often and they're trapped in a catch-22 situation. You need the trinity or quadrility of stability to be able to move forward and sustain stability. And I'll define the the quadrility of stability. It's a funny word. It's housing, transportation, a job, and relationship. You need all four things to sustain any sort of stability in your life. If you don't have transportation, but you have a car and a job, that's all good and well. But until you have that stable transportation, how are you going to get to that job stably so that you can keep your house? So what we want for this young woman is for her to have all three of those at the same time with the addition of loving and supportive relationships, which is what we offer here. Uh, It's very important that, that this person to break out of that catch-22 situation has loving and supportive people who are patient in baby steps that these young people have to take to break out of the trauma mindset that they're in and go on to succeed. It seems like part of that catch-22 is if you're not able to get to work, how can you actually get a job? If you don't have those relationships, how can you trust anybody to know where to go or how to get into that? Um, and if you've been so disconnected from, you know, growing up in a way where you've learned those skills, like how do you even get feedback on what direction to go in? Absolutely. Hope for the future is a significant issue with this population. This population of homeless young adults and young people, 12 times more likely to die, period, than non-homeless young people their age. 12 times more likely to die. The number one killer is suicide. Because of that lack of hope for the future, 41% tell us that they've attempted 
the number one killer for men is suicide. Number one for women is drug overdose. Other issues that that might uh, cause their demise is assault, the elements. You know, it, it's real. It, we're not just talking about rebellious teenagers who've run away from home and want to try to make it on their own. These are kids who are running and they're in danger. And they need all of us in the community to come together and support them. So they've experienced abuse or, or rape or travesties. How much do drugs play a role in, in homelessness? Is that more a coping mechanism or is it a something which is causing these problems? It's both ends. You know, okay. as the opioid epidemic increases, you'll see an increase in homelessness. It strips you of relationships. It strips you of your ability to make good decisions. I have a friend who fell into homelessness because of um, the use of opioids. So it's a very real thing. It's also the other. They are coping. There are young people who cannot sleep at night because of the, the dreams and the flashbacks of the horrific experiences that they've been in. So they are self-medicating with drugs in that sense. The statistic on that nationally is 70 to 80% of youth living on the street nationally are self-medicating with drugs. Wow. Still trying to get my head around what this looks like in Columbus. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not something that's very visible. In Columbus, you can go from suburban neighborhoods to a job downtown and never see the level of poverty that's in our community. Mm -hmm the stark differences in classes. You can drive downtown and you might see a guy on the side of the road holding a sign, but there's an urban legend about that guy that he's pulling in $200,000 a year by asking for money on the side of the street. So I think people can discount that guy. They Mm. can discount the homelessness that they see on the streets. But when you walk into Star House and you see 40 young people who don't have the support that they need to move forward, you can't deny that this crisis is here mm. and that as a community, we need to come together and address this issue. Now, one thing I was very interested in talking to you about is trafficking. Mm. Um, because, you know, quite honestly, I was very naive about trafficking, thinking, okay, this is something that happens in a third world country where people are abducted and brought somewhere for prostitution. And I thought, oh, okay, Columbus is nothing to do with this. Human trafficking is real. Human trafficking is here in Columbus, and it's affecting lives, not only in urban centers, but also in suburbs. Can you describe a little bit what the different types of trafficking are? It's a multifaceted issue. There's not just one kind of human trafficking. Mm. There's survival sex, so there are young people living out on the streets, and they're so desperate to get a meal that they will trade sex for a meal or trade sex for a hotel to have a warm place to stay at night. Because they're out on the streets, especially young women, but also some young men, they are susceptible to being exploited. There might be someone who approaches them and they seem really friendly and nice and they're giving them gifts and taking them out to dinner, offering them a place to stay at night. They might even for a time think that they're in a loving relationship with this person. But that person becomes a pimp and is pimping them out and and putting them into situations that become really difficult to get out of. These aren't the the pimps, (laughs) the people doing the exploiting are not just waking up and deciding one day that they're going to go out and find a girl and, and pimp her out. 
uh, it's, it's a very strategic, especially when there's a, a, a group of people who are finding young women in our community in the morning one day. And then by the end of the day, they could, they could be in any major city in the street. You can be in Atlanta in a day. You can be in Chicago in a day. You can be in New York in a day. They're, they're finding these young women and they're very strategic um, networks that are operating within our community. I think people don't realize that this is going on. What are the most effective ways to reduce this? To eliminate human trafficking at Starhouse, we train our staff. We not only train our staff, but we train our clients, our guests. We call them guests here. They're invited to all of our human trafficking trainings. We've had young people sit in those trainings and they didn't realize before they were in there that they were being trafficked, that they were being exploited. Mm. So awareness is one way. Look, looking for the warning signs, looking for the patterns within our facility. Within the past six months, I've been on the phone with the FBI giving them tips on two potential human trafficking situations. One was real and the other was it was a workforce exploitation. And those two things were taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's being aware and stepping forward, even even if there's a hint of a suspicion, speaking up and sharing it so that we can wipe this out. There is a police task force in Columbus that is addressing human trafficking. They are overwhelmed with tips. We need more support in our community to address these tips that are coming in. There are other organizations in town as well that have been very successful in rescuing these women women out of human trafficking situations. She has a name, yeah. Freedom a la Carter, a couple that come to mind right off the bat. They're not only giving these young people an option. Catch Court is another wonderful program. They're not, not only giving them an option, but they are empowering them to become advocates for other young women and men who are being trafficked. Mm. Uh, it, it's really, they're beautiful programs. Seems like a very difficult thing to talk about. And seems like if it's difficult to talk about, it makes it harder to raise the awareness of what's actually going on. Absolutely. You know, it's like with suicide, when when people are feeling lonely and disconnected, they don't have a way to express what's going on in their life, you know, and, and that's a huge barrier to getting support. I mean, if you can't talk to somebody who says something's not right here, mm-hmm. when people are alone, it just it shuts everything down, it makes life so much more difficult. You bring up a very good topic. Loneliness is really at the core of a lot of these social issues that we're trying to address, not having that person to reach out to. There's been a downward spiral over the past several decades of social capital. People no longer feel comfortable going down the street and asking for a cup of sugar. Mm. Um, The effect that this downward spiral on interconnectivity in our society has had on people who are wealthy is they're more likely to feel lonely or depressed or have anxiety. Uh, The effect that it has on people who are down uh, from the low income end of the spectrum is that they're more likely to become down and out because they don't have the the unit of people to re- reach out to for help. So loneliness is real and the impact is profound. When I lived in England, I, I volunteered with the Samaritans, which was a suicide crisis line for about five years. And I was surprised just how much everyone's situation varied. Everyone was very, very different. But there always seemed to be this common thread of loneliness when people were calling in. Some proportion were suicidal, some were not, but you know that 
not having somebody that they could connect with. It's at the root of so many problems. Loneliness affects us all. And it's compounded for young people who are living homeless and alone by typically traumatic experiences. These very, very real demons in their lives that they're combating. So that lack of hope for the future is is real and it's killing it's killing young people. Mm-hmm. They need people in their lives. They need relationships who mm-hmm. can speak positivity in them and s- talk with them about about the future and what's possible. Give them permission to dream. Mm-hmm. That's what we're all about here at Starhouse. You said at the moment there's there's no shelter here. There are wonderful adult shelters in Columbus and okay. many of our Clients are going to those shelters and they're using that as a stepping stone to stability. There's currently no youth-centric shelter, a place that's designed specifically to make a young person feel safe, secure, and comfortable, and hopeful about the future. We need that in our community. And there's a group of us getting together to talk about what that would look like Mm -hmm. through the Committee to Address Youth Homelessness. Star House is certainly open to being a significant part of that. We just want to see this need filled and met for these young people. Now, one thing that you mentioned before was the four pillars that somebody needs to, to be stable. And one of those is finding finding a job. I know here you're starting a program to help introduce people on how to work and actually build those skills for a job. Our youth are highly transient, especially those who are couch surfers. They might be staying with someone they just met one night, and then the next night they're across town staying with a distant relative. So there's very little stability in their lives that allows for them to get to the same place every single day for a job. And we don't see success here at Starhouse. We don't see success as them just finding a job and checking a box. Success is finding them a job that they can keep and sustain that will merit them having sustained housing and and transportation. So to address this issue of transients, we're starting what we're calling a trauma-informed workforce development program in partnership with Jewish Family Services and initially supported by Columbia Gas of Ohio. It will be a flexible workforce program so that a young person comes in at the first part of the six-month program They're going through training that helps them recognize their own trauma and how that affects them in terms of their ability to get along with other people, to stay and overcome conflict within the context of the workplace. After that training, they're then given the opportunity to work at various flexible workstations, assembly jobs where they can come in same day, work from eight to nine in the morning, eight to nine at night, whatever schedule makes sense for them. And they're paid same day because oftentimes our youth are lacking the identification they need to open a bank Mm. account. That's another barrier to success for them. So they'll be paid cash same day. And then by the end of the program, their resume will be filled with a multitude of different employer partners. And then at the end of the six months, they will be able to go out in the community, share that and get a a job that will, will sustain them and help them secure housing. How does transportation and housing factor into that? Our goal is for each and every young person to secure housing, employment, jobs, transportation, all the things that they need to succeed. Um, We immediately, if they're ready to go to shelter, 
We help them get on the wait list for shelter. Uh, we refer them to housing services in town. That's something that's very important to our organization. We connect them with other workforce development programs. Columbus Urban League is one. And transportation, we offer bus passes here for youth. I should have asked this earlier, but is there an age range for when people come to Star House? There is. is. <laughs> we, we serve youth ages 14 to 24. Okay. The vast majority, 80%, in fact, are 18 to 24. How does life change as you start to grow up? There are other resources in town. They're certainly eligible for the shelters in town. We do maintain a relationship with youth who age out of our programming. They're always welcome back. And in fact, two of our staff right now uh, are former uh -huh. clients of Star House. So it's wonderful to, um, to welcome them back into the fold here. I have a couple of questions around how people can get involved and if, if somebody wants to, to help make a difference. For folks who want to get involved with Star House and help us prevent chronic homelessness for these young people, there's we like to say there's a place for everybody. <laughs> if you have a little bit of time or if you have a lot to devote to us, you can sort through clothes. You can bring in a group. Maybe your alumni association wants to have a, an activity where you're giving back. You can come in and sort through those clothes, uh, Many the many donations that we have here. Uh, you can also engage in whatever talent you might have. For example, if you're an attorney, you can come in and offer legal advice, legal support for young people. If you are uh, if you have any kind of fitness skill, if you uh, teach Zumba or yoga or CrossFit, we welcome you in to offer those programs here. We have an art room. If you are artistically inclined, you can come in and offer classes in there. So really a place for everyone. If you enjoy cooking, you can bring in food. And so you collect donations that people have access to. You know, what kind of donations are, are most important or things that you're looking for? Currently, our greatest needs are warm things. It's <laughs> cold weather months, so we need jackets, scarves, gloves, blankets, sleeping bags, tents. Some of our We do distribute tents here for youth who need those and warm things right okay. now. Can you describe the space a little bit when, when somebody comes in, what, what different facilities they have here that they can use? We moved into our current facility. It's a 14,000 square foot facility back in December of 2015. So when youth walk in, they have immediate access to an open kitchen where they can prepare their own meal, a shower, clothing, uh, a laundry, laundry machines. There's an art room where they can engage in some level of art therapy. We have administrative offices in the back where the therapy takes place. We have a gym where youth can engage in yoga, CrossFit, basketball, and other fitness opportunities. And a space to just be that is safe mm. and secure. We also have a library and a computer lab where youth are working up their resumes and finding jobs and also staying connected mm -hmm. through social media and email. We started over 10 years ago as a research project of OSU. And I don't think that they ever intended for us to grow to become what we are now, which is a social service agency serving nearly a thousand individuals. Um, so earlier this year, we decided it was time for us to become our own independent standalone social service agency. Uh, so on July 1 of this year, we, we did that. 
We've maintained a partnership with OSU. We were founded on research, and we want to ensure that that research continues. We want to abide by proven practices. So we have two offices right now devoted to OSU research. They're looking at suicide prevention, again, the number one killer, and housing for young moms addicted to drugs. So they're continuing to do that research and and figure out who the people are and and what their needs are. Absolutely. On a kind of a bigger scope of of Columbus, what are things that people can do to address homelessness? This is an issue that has been relatively hidden from general knowledge in our community. I think the more people know about this issue, the more support we will have, the more volunteers we will have, the more awareness we will have. We can prevent chronic homelessness for these young people. To become educated, there's an opportunity coming up on November 29th at the Columbus Metropolitan Club. If you look them up online, you can sign up for a forum Mm. which will focus on youth homelessness in our city and ways we can overcome it. Additionally, if you go to our website, we have our research section that lists off current and past research projects. Okay. And where is your website? Starhousecolumbus.org. Is that the best place for people to go if they want to find out more information? Our website and also our Facebook page is Starhouse Seabus. You have a, a social enterprise in, in Starhouse? We're starting one up. We have our initial investment from Columbia Gas of Ohio to launch this trauma-informed workforce program, which includes a micro-enterprise that will be owned and operated by Starhouse. Uh, The concept is our youth will be trained to assemble floral arrangements to start on their schedule. Put the bouquets together. They're also going to be designing tall coffee mug vases that the arrangements will go in that will be branded with Starhouse information Our initial partner in the program is Stoffs. We'll provide flower arrangements for tabletops at Mojo's downtown Mm -hmm. and Franklinton Stoffs. Oh, excellent. And when is that starting? Over the next six months, it will be in place. We're working with Jewish Family Services to develop the trauma-informed workforce curriculum that will go along with it. And then by the end of the next six months, we'll have the business up and running. It's very exciting. Got it. What are some of the parts of that curriculum? The trauma piece of our workforce program is designed to train young people to recognize the the trauma in their own lives. Okay. And especially within the context of the workplace, stay past that point of conflict. And we've had young people who get a job and then at the moment of a perceived or real conflict, they they leave because that's been their experience in life. People leave. Mm. This will teach them to overcome that and stay. That actually makes a lot of sense if you've been in really high-conflict situations and that's how you protect yourself is to get out of there. It's it's biology. It's that fight-or-flight reflex. So we're mm-hmm. teaching them the reality of that and how to push back past it and, and stay and, and move forward. There's been a lot of in- instability in their lives. Typically, um, you know, when you're in survival mode, when you're worried about where you're going to get your next meal, education falls off <laughs> of your priority list. And so many of our youth have dropped out. Some have a few credits left in high school. So we work with a few schools in the community to help them close those out. Others are so far behind that it makes more sense for them to go the GED route. So we work with Godman Guild to help them close that out and other partners 
Um, some of our youth are enrolled at Columbus State. They've finished mm-hmm. high school and they're they're making it happen. Uh, we recently changed our mission statement because it formerly read, we will provide a safe respite from the streets and a chance to have a productive life. Well, our youth are being productive. They're uh, going to school. They're getting jobs. It's just that that productivity is being met with significant barriers. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of two steps back and one step forward for these young people. So now we've changed the end of our mission statement to read a chance to thrive. That's what we want for each and every one of mm-hmm. our young people uh, to meet them where they are and help them keep that job, help them stay in school so that they can get the trades they need to move forward and succeed. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I think Anne explained it really well that you can drive from the suburbs all the way downtown to work and never see the epidemic of homelessness in Columbus. I'm so glad that we have Star House to help, but it's so clear that there's so much more to do. If you want to take the conversation further, the Columbus Metropolitan Club is having a talk at noon on November 29th about the unexpected face of homelessness, teens on the street. The talk will be down at the Boathouse at Confluence Park, you can find more from their website, columbusmetroclub.org. They also have other great talks that you might want to check out. If you want to find out more about Starhouse, you can find them at starhousecolumbus.org or on Facebook as Starhouse Columbus. If you have warm jackets, clothing, blankets, or tents for the winter, consider making a donation. It makes a difference. And thank you so much for listening today. I would love to see a world where we have transformed some of these major social issues. And engaging in these conversations is the next step to help us get us there. Next step's up to you. Go do something great. Until next time. Cheers.